0: Welcome to What If, I'm your with Karim Sackney, and today we are in the wonderful home of Benjamin Wettmann, a good friend of mine. He is a lawyer, a startup founder with a focus on legal tech. Benjamin, thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. Uh, your baby is currently not there, right?
1: No, she's, uh, <laughs> she's with her mom uh, okay. in the park.
0: Okay, so you have some time off. (laughs) Instead of taking a nap, you have to go through this interview now.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's a sore spot, yeah. I've I've actually started napping uh, ever since she was born. Wow. How often? Once (laughs) per day? Uh, If I can sneak in a nap, uh, yeah, I usually do it once.
0: Okay, fantastic. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you become a lawyer? Was it always... Even as a child, you were six and said, I want to become a lawyer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, the first thing I can remember that I wanted to be was uh, be a professor, um, which I guess is not too far from being a lawyer. But but it really, I, I never had as a kid, I never had that plan of, of being a lawyer. I think so. I more or less settled on law when I had to decide what to study. Okay. And there wasn't a very inspired choice. It was more or less uh, by subtraction, saying, "Well, I don't want to study this. I don't want to study that. Um, I see. So I guess I'll try law for now." But it was something where I thought, "You know, you can work with people," um, and I always liked understanding things and rules. Um, so it it did make sense
0: because you're quite an analytical person, you would say, or
1: yeah, I think I, I think I had a, a and a curiosity um, for. Yeah, and I also wanted to, you know, do what's right. Um, And I think if you turn that to the more negative, uh, I could be quite stubborn in terms whenever I felt there was an injustice being done to me or someone else. So I think there was maybe, if you want to tell the story later on, there might have been a spark uh, always uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of going towards law. Um, So that was something that fascinated me about.
0: Oh, wow. So always looking for justice. So you're kind of like a superhero. <laughs> Inside the
1: uh... yeah, you see, uh, there's a good, uh, the good. Oh yeah, Captain, Captain America. America. Yeah. That makes sense. No, um, oh, I, I did. I did. Um, I think it's it's not necessarily that you have to be a superhero, but but I think it's it's a field that that is a serv. At the oh, sure. end, it's a service industry. Have you
0: experienced like injustice when you grew up, or whether? A-
1: well, I mean, of course, um, you know, when I had to go to bed and I didn't want to go to bed. <laughs> so we very early on. <laughs> Fundamentally unfair. Um, I, I think if I compared with the rest of the world, um, I did not ever suffer any mm. major in But injustice. you saw it in other
0: people and then you felt like, hey, that's yeah. not okay.
1: Yeah, And I mean, you know, sometimes the way um, some refugees are being treated uh, when they come to this country, or, or some uh, or employees sometimes are treated. You know? hmm. um, so I think there's always there are always things that go wrong. Right. Um, and I think the law can help remedying that. I think that's its very purpose.
0: <laughs> that's very true. I mean, uh, you already mentioned it. This is the purpose of law, right? Do you think that the way law has been done at the moment Mm. uh, and you see how fast the world is changing. Mm. Do you think that framework still fits to the needs of today and tomorrow?
1: Mm. Um, I mean, it would be easy to say no, um, but I think the answer is a bit more complicated. And I think we're often also captured in the moment. Um, I I think in general, it, it does serve what it's supposed to do but it's far from being perfect
0: okay so if you would go into a what if scenario just Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. see where it can go what if um laws wouldn't exist Mm -hmm. how do you think things would turn out
1: (laughs) (laughs) The, the the funny thing is the lawyer impulse there is to ask what exactly do you mean by law? I.e., what is the definition of law? If if the question revolves around, what if there was no um, settled set of rules, um, in the sense of there were no laws with a very strict definition of saying something that was passed by parliament and it can be looked up in a book um, or in legal text, um, I think. That is a realistic scenario um, to a certain extent and I think you see what happens then in countries that we call failed states, right? Um, so I think the advantage of codified law is, is a very natural advantage in that it provides security. So if, you know, if we agree on a set of rules and we write them down and we, we put them on the wall, um, all of us know those are the rules. And then of course you need someone to interpret the rules, but, but fundamentally you have the rules on the wall. If there are no rules on the wall, you will have to make up the rules as you go. And um, and I think as you as you go through life and as you go to, through whatever challenges you have as a society or as a business or whatever, um, those rules become like path, right? So you walk through the wilderness, the more often someone takes a path the more concrete it becomes, um, so you so you see, I think at some point that would happen, but you see what happens if it doesn't. You have um, you have people lacking some of the basic securities that you need to not only live but also be creative, right? If you are if you're afraid of what might happen to you when you cross the street, you're not really you're not really in the best position to reach your full potential um
0: that makes a lot of sense do you have examples though for hmm. scenarios or places where it works better without any laws
1: um i think the innovation space is something where you where you have that when you i think it's one of the um reasons for being for startups is um more or less providing some kind of a sandbox if that is the correct term um, where you can experiment um, i.e. if you are a large corporate over the time you will have accumulated a lot of rules
0: internal rules you mean.
1: yeah but also external rules right you're in the banking industry you're around for centuries so over the centuries you know it's like I'm jumping a little bit, but it's maybe a little bit like your your computer uh, in the past when you had a Windows computer, right? And over time, you install stuff, you deinstalled, but not everything gets removed, and your your system just is slower and slower and slower. And what people would tell you, they would say, well, every now and then you have to you know delete everything, start from scratch, so that so you have to unlearn system, in order
0: to relearn, kind of thing.
1: yeah. So, so you have the system clean. So if you're, mm. if you're an old industry and you're an old corporate in an old industry, for example, so you have a lot of rules, a lot of which no one knows what they were originally designed <laughs> but for. people right? just follow them. <laughs> That's no, and I have that all the time because I work with in-house teams. And, and a lot of your time is spent trying to figure out first whether there are any internal rules. Um, what they say, who, who deals with them, um, and then you at the very end you're trying to make out whether they make sense or not. So if you can start fresh by just saying, well, we'll take mm-hmm. out that particular aspect and we, we come up with, well, we let the rules, not rather we come up with new rules, but we let the rules develop naturally. So you bring, what happens when you have a startup, right? You bring people together who are just focused on a goal. Mm. They're not focused on setting up a lot of ground rules. They're focused on, let's get there. And as they get there, they kind of figure out, okay, that makes more sense. That makes more sense. And they develop rules, which are then hopefully um, more attuned to what it is that they do.
0: doesn't it also mean that you need external people like yourself to come in into a place which accumulated Mm -hmm. lots of laws and rules Mm -hmm. to say hey wait a minute that rule doesn't make any sense and because nobody had the guts to ask it or Mm -hmm. was so much in the habit that you need that external impulse to actually challenge that
1: Again, it's me being a lawyer. It's yes and no. <laughs> That's why <what I> interview. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's always when you reflect. It's always interesting how you how you like a politician. You start saying yes and no because you know there's no real yes and there's a real no. No, I think you you often you need people from the outside to give you a perspective. But what I've also seen, um, what I find dangerous, is when you ignore the impulses you get from inside of your organization because in a lot of cases you have a lot of people who are identifying with the organization who know the organization very well um, and they can provide valuable input and and sometimes and they think way too often i see that these people are being ignored and then someone from the outside is being brought in to help them
0: and they but don't they don't understand. think
1: that they need help because mm. they have been ignored and that's where you have you can you can come up with a lot of rules on change management, but if you have that fundamental problem where the people inside the organization have not felt hurt and now you're telling them here's someone who will solve all the problems that you cannot solve, mm. um, you're setting everyone up for, for failure.
0: But do you think then your task would be much more to listen? Yep they have failed to do or couldn't do for whatever reason
1: i've never really been in organizations as a as a change manager i've rather been there as as someone who had been put in the put in teams um, to to work to do the actual work um, and i think when you when you work with a team and you do the actual day-to-day work with them, you earn a lot of respect. Mm. Um, in football, they say, have your hand in the dirt, right? If right. you if you didn't play, and I'm talking about American football, right? Mm. You didn't play, you want to comment on how people play, they will not take their opinion, your opinion seriously because you have not played. Once you, you you are on the field with them and they see you suffer the way they suffer, they will respect any opinion that you have. Um, it will be easier for them, and on the other side, it should also be something that you, if you want to support someone, should be interested in, right? Absolutely. I think the new term is customer centricity, but but essentially that's what you do, right? Yeah. You, you put yourself in in the position of the people that you're trying to help,
0: yeah,
1: and you see, okay, these are your problems. I've now I've now felt the way that you feel, and I'm now better placed to provide you input
0: now you get to a certain level where you're both on the same level yeah and then you use your and for that you use your the fact that you have two ears and one mouse
1: (laughs) (laughs) and then you're providing people with the thing that they need and can appreciate with some fresh perspective where they are
0: but also because they trust you now yeah
1: but you're not coming in telling them look i have no idea what it is that you're doing but here is my handbook on how to do your job even though I've never done it. Rather, you're coming in and you're saying, ah, I've now learned how you do your job. If I may provide you with some observations, um, it's actually the case that a lot of people really appreciate that and even ask for it so that people would seek me out and say, look, you haven't been with this organization for so long. We always do it that way. Do you think that makes sense? Or do you know how other people do it? Um,
0: That makes a lot of sense. Um, In my research on curiosity, one Mm -hmm. of the things that i figured out is that uh, kids between two and five, they ask around 40,000 why questions. Mm -hmm. And the older they get, the less questions they ask. Mm -hmm. And I think this question asking is so important that people sometimes feel afraid of asking because they might sound stupid or something. So you getting in and saying, hey, ask questions. And you ask questions then you get into dialogue and i think that's super important where they can learn from you
1: yeah but it's it's also i think if if people really want to be efficient in the way that they conduct their business um you need to acknowledge that that's already a failure Mm -hmm. so if you have to bring someone in to do that something already went wrong which is not not a real problem if you learn from it Uh but i think you should be seeking you should be looking at your culture why are people why are people afraid to ask why and you have a leadership (laughs) issue probably (laughs) and i think that is a leadership issue not that you have to that the leader is a bad person but
0: just the leader
1: should take the opportunity to say okay if if I now have to seek outside counsel just to teach people to ask why questions, then why are they afraid to ask me why I do things a certain right. way?
0: Or why we have that rules for years and so no one understands why. Um, but coming back to the mm-hmm. point that you made regarding innovation, mm-hmm. in a space where there are no rules and laws, mm-hmm. you can have like a sandbox and play around. Mm. Do you think in that term it would make sense to have that? Playgrounds more often, also for big corporations mm. and startups. But mm. and if you compare them with external laws in certain countries where mm. you fa- can faster find a company, like mm. for example in Germany. Mm. So where do you think change needs to happen, externally and internally? Mm.
1: Um, it is really a question of how do you balance um, having written rules um, or not having them. I'm saying written rules are codified law um, because I don't think there is a scenario where we have no rules. Okay. Right. Let me give you an example. Um, if you're a startup or you come to a new office, um, you have a refrigerator. Right? In the beginning, there are no rules on what to put in the refrigerator. You can wait one to two weeks and there will be a paper on the refrigerator saying, look, these are the rules. <laughs> you cannot have rotten food in this refrigerator. We will throw it out every Friday.
0: Like Sounds clockwork, like you have experience on that. Like
1: clockwork. Wherever I went, whenever it was new, it was, okay, we don't need any rules. Wow. After a couple the of weeks, fridge. everyone. Or the dishwasher, right. no matter what. Or if you, you know, if you have cohabitation, it's always the same topic. So, you see there is always a need for some rules whether you are good enough that you don't have to write them down is a different question so but coming back to the question of sandboxes and experimentation and innovation um you need to make a calculated decision uh, in what field are you operating and what is the downside of being wrong right if it's a refrigerator okay there's a rotten banana in the fridge no one's dying hopefully um, but if you if you are for example in the healthcare sector um, do you still do you still feel comfortable saying let's move fast and break things um, or with facebook if it's if it's um, in the political sphere right so i think Facebook is a company that that probably has should think very long and hard whether they want sandbox privileges because I think they've gotten too big um, and they are too powerful to say let's play a little bit without rules and deal with the consequences later. And consequences also brings me to one very important thing Um, probably you also need rules about not having rules (laughs) because usually the trade-off is okay, you get to experiment, but you have to deal with the consequences, right? True. It's not, it's, I could say, look, you can drive your car the way you want, but if you hit someone, you're still liable for whatever happened to them.
0: How, yeah? how, how do you think, I want to come back to mm? that um, external, internal mm? lawmaking, but how do you see it in the animal world? Mm? I mean, they didn't discuss this as rules. Mm-hmm. Have you uh, any idea of mm-hmm. how certain animals actually do that? Um, or do they always have to just uh, live with the consequences?
1: Um, well, they have to live with the consequences, right? Because if you, if you fail in nature, uh, nature kills you. Um, it, nature is very is not very passionate about that, right? Nature right. will not counsel you a lot. Nature will just say, look, you made a mistake. You no longer exist. That is your that is your trade-off, mm. right? Nature will not make a rule. It's dangerous to jump from that rock. Nature will just say, now you broke your leg and you have to hunt. You cannot hunt, so you do not eat, so you die. Yeah? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's a good point.
1: And that's, and that's how you see that animals... Um, If you look at a lot of rituals that animals have, they have rules, right? They have a certain set of rules. If you have animals fighting within the species, there are usually rules about how far do you go to not injure yourself so badly that you cannot survive. Because if there was a species that has not developed that particular tool, it will die out because while doing the infighting, it will suffer damage that that, dis, that that the individual cannot remedy. And ultimately, if that gene is responsible, it will not be passed on because the, the animals that have that gene just will survive, not procreate. Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And it's not necessarily the strongest, but the best adapted. So you adapt to your environment by understanding, if we keep fighting forever, and we have no rules on how we fight, we will not survive. Mm. So I think nature, um, or rather the process, the natural process of selection, uh, what Darwin discovered, um, ultimately it's logic. It's you have to adapt, you have to deal with certain problems If you do it in a chaotic way and it works then good for you Mm. but i think nature proves in a lot of circumstances that having some kind of a system in place um, is usually an advantage
0: okay okay so we can already see that Mm. without rules and laws it's probably (laughs) not even possible (laughs) because they will happen over time and it makes sense to um build up things in a more structured way to a certain degree. But how do you see certain countries, like for example, Estonia, Mm -hmm. uh, rethinking the whole legal system and Mm -hmm. make it more easier to fund Mm -hmm. companies, for example. Mm -hmm. Do you think that is an advantage Mm -hmm. over other countries and how should other countries see that in terms of innovation? Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I think that's that's a good topic and I think it's a good example of, what if we had no rules? In a controlled environment, um, I think you can move much faster um, if you have maybe not detailed rules, right? You can have aspirations and you can have the, let's say, threat of consequences. Um, and that way, have, if you want to put it that way, the market regulate itself. So if you compare Estonia and Germany in terms of company incorporation, for example, um, Germany, true to its nature, tries very hard to make sure that any company that comes into existence is a proper company. right? And then the process, and later on the process to remove companies that were failed, is very complicated. So Germany spends a lot of time thinking about how do we make sure that every company that is formed is a serious company. Um, so that we don't have to deal with the problem of removing the non-serious ones. And I think the alternative wow. mm. is just to say, look, let's let everyone in first, and then we'll figure out the problems later. Um, and of course, there's a it's not one thing or the other. You can play with it. But Germany, I think, in general, in terms of the way we do rules, it's we're trying to get it 100% right, even if it means that everyone has to suffer from from overregulation. And I think we could just relax by saying, well, let's just get it 80% right, so that ideally not a lot of people have to suffer.
0: Mm.
1: And then the 20% we get wrong, we solve that later.
0: Right. Cause then you give space for being naive. Yeah. Which you have in certain more innovative countries. Yeah. I think I mean, being naive is something very important for innovation. Because you can't know always the outcome of whatever you think about, right? Yeah.
1: And I think that's when you when you see how how overregulation is punished. Because if your rules no longer serve a real purpose or they're no longer proportional to what the purpose is, mm-hmm. You, there's a penalty to, to be paid, right? It means that people will be discouraged. Um, we might be losing people that would like to conduct business that just get put off by the process. Or in terms of efficiency, we have people who can do a lot of things very well, who have to spend a lot of time doing this administrative work that they don't need or we have people providing services for administrative work again that no one needs it's not it's the question of is that a productive use okay. of
0: our time so you see a lot of improvement space yeah all right all right yeah but the way you mentioned it with corporates for mm-hmm. cleaning up the mm-hmm. rules over time mm-hmm. also a whole country could do that yeah and how should they do it um,
1: I think in Germany it's having dealt with a lot of company formations I must say I don't really see the major downside of making it easier to form a company in Germany you don't so, see it no I don't see it um I think if you if you make it easier if you If you do it like um, like in the UK, for example, which is a good example, um, you say, look, you can do it online. You get your text ID online. And we'll, we'll put in place a process afterwards, if you want, by using AI to kind of detect whether there's any fraudulent activity. But my experience is people who want to commit fraud will commit fraud whether it's by using a company or by doing it differently and often i think the people who want to commit fraud are more committed to doing it so they will actually put in more work than the people who just want to use a company for their own purposes so i don't think you win a lot and i don't think there's a major downside because all the other problems fraud that's a criminal law problem Mm -hmm. or or rather or or even a a civil liability problem. But I don't think you are saving anyone by making the formation process overly complicated. So I think tomorrow you could just say, look, if you want to form your company online, do it online, you will be in the register. How would the law change process look Mm -hmm. like? The the way you change it?
0: Yeah. Um, In a nutshell.
1: Well, I think for all of these things, the process you need to have in place is more or less an impact assessment.
0: Okay. Right? i mean within a um, country
1: yeah so you would you would look at things mm-hmm. where you think this is too much regulation and you would look at it and you would have to think about okay so what are the, what is the worst thing that can happen if we remove a lot of the regulation if the answer is people are going to die or people are going to suffer then you then that's probably not the one that you want to experiment with. But if the answer is, well, we might have a little bit more administrative work for the administration later on, mm. then to me that looks like a prime subject to, to do some experimentation. Right. So and, and I think company formation is a, good, is a good example because I don't see a real downside.
0: Okay, but you yeah. need to get in touch with the politicians, I guess, to get that process starting yeah
1: and there's uh, and of course there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff that has grown around the process that is so complicated right it's the notaries who 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 do their business and and of course i mean that's also probably part of the impact (laughs) 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 to have to say okay sorry there are a lot of people who who basically build a business model for decades right on that and, and you need to have a solution for these people you know it's not that the notaries are evil or the lawyers yeah. who do that are that evil or the tax people are uh, evil it's just they do what it is that they have to do mm-hmm. right to help people navigate their process and if you suddenly tell all of them look i'm taking away 20 to 30 percent of your business um that's of course a tall a tall order so that's when it starts getting mushy and complicated where you have to kind of make sure you're not alienating too many people but again here I think and and again it would be part of the impact assessment if you look at the people who would suffer the service offerings are they really providing a valuable service Um, and at some point you would also have to say I think most of the people that I know um, who Are running their business well and ethically um, i don't think their business would break down if the formation process was was easier you might have some people who
0: Mm.
1: who for some reasons focus on that one and you need to make you need to check are these serious sustainable business models or are these just not sustainable business models and then it's a matter of we can't help everyone um by making it harder on everyone else
0: right right but you think in terms of real innovation mm-hmm. creation mm-hmm. um germany is from an entrepreneur's point mm-hmm. of view the perfect birthplace to be in the next 10 20 years if things are changing mm-hmm. so fast and you have so many rules mm-hmm. or how would you see it because that question i get asked a lot mm-hmm
1: um I think their founders need to founders and innovators need to also think about their priorities. Um, I would say it may be one of the best places to do it, um, barring some of the smaller states who have the advantage of being in a in the EU with Germany. Right. right? So I I might say the Netherlands or Estonia, um, but it's only because they have easy access to the German market. Mm. Um, but I think still in terms of combining something fundamental, which is basic security, right? In Germany, um, as opposed to a lot of other countries, you are safe, right? fundamentally safe, right? Except for a few exceptions, you can walk around in the streets and you're just safe. People generally play by the rules, which is not just a downside but also an advantage
0: quite an right? advantage and probably becoming more important in terms yeah. of the global development yeah see.
1: and you know what's happening you don't have to bribe anyone you don't have to learn any special rules ideally yeah it's it's and i think we can work on transparency not just removing law but but, but generally you know what what's happening and i think if you talk to business
0: people predictability is something that is that is quite valuable Do you you think we should, or Germany in general, should Mm. show that more, the advantages? Because it's always finger-pointing on the things that, hey, it takes so long, this is slow, but maybe, hey, but on the other Mm -hmm. hand, you're gonna survive tomorrow, probably.
1: Yes, of course. And that goes back to uh, something that's probably more your expertise-changing mentality. right? I think it's part of the German mentality Which is also what makes us good in fixing problems, because we always fixate on problems and we cannot sleep until we solve the problem. That makes us good, but it also makes us difficult, because we also focus on our own problems so much. You don't see Americans running around advertising, please come to America, we have no healthcare. But, But we run around saying, well, please come to Germany, our company formation process sucks. And nothing else, right? <laughs> that's the way. That's the way we do it, right? We don't run around saying, "Look, it's one of the safest places on the planet. You have you have um, government healthcare. Um, you have a very good support system for more or less everything,
0: right?" Um, I think we need sales training more. Probably.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of the most affordable places. Um, you have in in a lot of crucial areas. You have leading businesses on, on the entire planet yeah. and you have something that especially innovators should be interested in. You have smaller mm-hmm. companies that are leading in True. their field rather yeah. than the the big corporates that the United States have. Yep. I think we could advertise that much more because Absolutely. I think it caters more to what innovators need, right? You don't have to sell to Google or Facebook if you want to do something. You you can actually pick and choose from, from a field of people. And you can think about, well, do I like that person? Do I like this person? Or oh, I want to work with that person? And I think that's that's something that I would very much appreciate. Absolutely. And I do appreciate
0: Now No, that it. makes total sense. But uh, just to add one more mm. idea, wouldn't mm. it be like an interesting legal tech idea where you would have one company focusing on simplifying mm-hmm. regulations mm-hmm. as a tool, as a service mm-hmm. for the government, maybe, to mm-hmm. look in different industries and say, mm-hmm. hey, we don't need all these laws for <laughs> mm-hmm. building a house, mm-hmm. for example, like just mm-hmm. the ones that are the key that you don't that doesn't fall down. But maybe that's something area where we could improve. Yeah, um,
1: it's a great idea. <laughs> the reason why uh, why I'm laughing is that working for the public sector is one of the hardest things you can do. <laughs> True. So whoever builds a startup catering to the public sector, I have so much respect for them. Not because they're evil, it's just, it's a, it, it, again, it, they play by very different rules. Than, Maybe than they other need to people. find a
0: different business model where yeah. they don't depend on the public to get the money, but uh, they suggest certain ideas. Mm yeah and get the money from corporates who would benefit from it for example (laughs) yeah
1: yeah. but even then the corporates usually get the money back from the public sector so it's gonna be the back door you still have them they have to adhere to those rules and it's just a um, i mean if you talk to people in your in, in 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 your field um it's just something that is Fundamentally different in the way that people think and work
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, And it's not the same people right? It's a whole set of different people um, I mean I have some contacts, but if I w- would think about I would have to build an entirely well, Challenge I would have to build an entirely new set of contacts because their world is so removed right. from the world that I move in um, That is quite interesting I think it's a major decision that you have to make whether you want to be a public sector company. Yeah, um, or whether you want to be a private sector company. Maybe Absolutely. that's also a problem for another day. <laughs>
0: that's for another day. Uh, coming to the second last question, mm-hmm. do you think dynamic laws mm-hmm. would make sense in the future to give it a little more space for adapting faster mm-hmm. instead of the other way around?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we We have a lot of the things that we do is rediscovering. We have dynamic laws uh, of a sense we have something that we call um, open clauses for example so in the german civil code which has a lot of rules on how does a sales contract work how does a rent contract work um, there are certain rules that are just universal rules which for example, say any contract needs to be on good faith terms for example or it should not be fraudulent so in a sense that is something that is, that is dynamic. Um, and you can also see on these things, over time, in certain areas, right, where the courts are asked repeatedly, okay, but in this context, what does fair mean? Right. They develop, again, they develop rules. That's, for example, why we have mm-hmm. now very specific rules on fair or unfair general terms. We did not used to have that. It was just the court saying, "Well, that's not fair, and this is not fair." But at some point, the industry itself said, "Well, can't we can't we write that down somewhere? Because now I I don't want to have to read five thousand court decisions to find out whether my terms are are valid or not valid. I'd like to have you know one sheet of paper telling me right does it work, doesn't work." But I think. I think being more conscious about the choices that we make mm-hmm. when we when we pass legislation is something that we need to get better at.
0: Okay. Okay. And what is needed for that? <laughs> um, I think that was a great answer already. <laughs> uh, well,
1: if I may say so, sometimes I think people are also treating lawyers and lawmakers unfairly. Um, because I think also as a society we need to understand there is no perfect law, right? Um, if you're trying to make the law perfect, it will get too complicated. So there's it's a trade-off, as, as with technology, right? There's right. a trade-off. You cannot, there's no 100% solution. And I think as a society, not just a lawyer, as a society, I think the society needs to accept that, okay, if we want the lawyers to think in, 80% solutions, we need to be, we need to start accepting 80% solutions as well. Got it. So, so I think as lawmaker, I mean, you can, you, I think you can probably advertise more that laws are not perfect. True. And I think you could try to do more doing the sandbox thing with laws as well. Just say, look, we, we this is a new problem right? No one really knows. Let's have a few fundamental rules on this, right? We're not passing the AI law because we don't even know where AI is going to go. Sure. Let's pass a very small basic AI principles law, maybe just focusing on certain things. Um, and let's do that. And to be fair, I think in some cases, lawmakers are already doing that
0: okay all right i think that makes a lot of sense um as a last question i think something that you mentioned before that i found very interesting is certain rules got developed over time and Mm -hmm. sometimes rethinking them saying Mm -hmm. okay do they still make sense Mm -hmm. or should we start from scratch Mm -hmm. i think that process needs to be integrated more often Mm -hmm. not only within corporates but maybe even within governments yeah um So rulemaking or lawmaking, I think that is a skill that -hmm. you've probably learned over time just by Mm -hmm. looking what kind of laws exist. Mm -hmm. But imagine a team wants to get founded. They want to say, these are the rules we want to play by. Mm -hmm. Um, For any team who wants to create rules, Mm -hmm. what do you think they have to do to do the rulemaking within Mm -hmm. a team 10% better? Mm -hmm. And 10 times better.
1: (laughs) You mean 10% as opposed to 10 times? Yeah. Um, I think what makes it 10 times better, rulemaking process, is if you really focus on what your priorities are as a team, right? What are the rules that are important to us? Don't look to other people, what was important to them. Think about what is really important to us. and think about what's the worst again what's the worst case scenario because you don't need rules when things work
0: right we can stay in the what if scenario right yeah Um, just to play around
1: yeah but it's really it's do we need rules for certain things that we know that work for us already you rather need to think about okay so what happens if we don't like I always tell it to to my clients Think about what happens if you don't like each other anymore. Because as long as you like each other, there's not... Your kind of... Your affection for each other kind of supplants the rules, right? I don't need a lot of rules with friends. But if the friendship deteriorates, I need rules. So I need to... The rules that I make should just be for stuff. This is something we cannot settle if we are no longer on speaking terms. what makes it 10% better, uh, I think probably just being a bit more tidy about the way you, you set up your rules, right? Not not have something that you put somewhere in a drawer, but you know, if you if you're a SharePoint person or you're a cloud person, have it there. If you like it that way, have it that way. Don't have it somewhere where no one looks at it because then you don't need it. Yeah?
0: Hmm. That makes sense, and not only new teams could use it, but also existing teams yes. where they re-evaluate if that makes sense or not. Maybe Benjamin, you should also offer workshops on rule making for <laughs> teams and corporates. Maybe <laughs> I'm pretty sure that could be a really cool skill.
1: It's. Uh, I think it's an interesting field, but I don't want to. I'm not a rulemaker, and I think there are a lot of people um, who who focus on that. But the question is, are the rule
0: makers? The best ones for that? <laughs> <laughs> you need some outside experience.
1: You, I, I said it before, right? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be very reluctant, judging people on their work, if I have not done the work very uh, myself. Because very it's good, very man. easy from the outside to say, ah, you're not getting the job done. But my experience you is... You truly already... follow your values. <laughs> I highly appreciate that. I, try to. I mean,
0: Thank you so much for the talk. It was, uh, it was you, a real pleasure. Priya. And uh, thanks also for the tea. <laughs> See you You're soon. Bye bye. <laughs>